Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 242 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's show, we are talking about the major Taylor Cyclocross races that happened in Indianapolis this past weekend, and then we are moving to Euro Corner, where we're going to talk about Overisa, the World Cup, and then also Copenburg Cross, which happened on Monday. Lots of racing to cover, so we are going to get right into it. Before we do, though, a couple quick things. One, head over to WideAnglePodium.com. Check out all of the shows, all of the content. The Slow Ride Podcast still going strong. Check them out. Criterium Nation just put out uh, a new episode that's uh, really interesting. You should check out that one. Zach's other show, Nowhere Fast. Great stuff going on there. We even have a new episode of Grodio. Grodio is back, so go check out that as well. Tons of cycling content all at the Wide Angle Podium Podcast Network, wideanglepodium.com. If you want to support those shows, we would love for you to be a member of the network. You can do that on the site. You can donate one time or become a monthly contributor, which we would love because that helps us continue to do what we do do. Finally, Zach and I have been pumping out the content weekly, daily uh, over at the CXHairs Bulletin. It is free to sign up, cxhairs.substack.com. If you want to get all of the results, all of the coverage that we are putting out there, there is a small subscription fee. It's $8 a month, $70 a year. We would love to have you as part of that community. There's not a lot of places out there that you are going to get the kind of coverage that we are giving you at the CXHairs Bulletin. Please help us help you be up to date on everything cyclocross. We're even doing bike reviews. We're doing gear. We got it all. CXHairs.substack.com. And finally, our, uh, our, our, our sponsor for this episode is Hammerhead and the Crew 2. And if you want to get a free heart rate monitor, after purchasing a Crew 2, which is a, an amazing bike computer, you have to use the code CXRADIO, C-X-R-A-D-I-O, at checkout at hammerhead.io. All right. It's episode 242 of Cyclocross Radio. We're talking about Overisa and also Copenburg Cross, and also Major Taylor. We got Zach, and we got Michael. It's the media pit, and we're doing that right now. We are back in the media pit for another week of cyclocross racing, both in North America and over seas but before we get into that michael how's it going bill what the puck i i'm over here you know trying to tailor a really good intro for you but i think i got i spent um myself this weekend on twitter um so i'm doing i'm sunny and i'm having funston you got a fifth one to go with that, Zach? I counted four. 
Is this like uh, is this like the? Uh, it's like Family like, Feud. Uh, uh, it's the top five. Is it like Super Troopers, where he's like, you're you're doing the hand thing, where we're counting, you know, the number of times that he can say meow yeah. in one one traffic stop, but instead we're counting the number of uh, puns that he can. Top five puns on the board. <laughs> oh wait, so this is for the this yeah, is for this the is steal. Family Feud style. Yeah. Oh man. Are you drawing a Blanca? <laughs> He jumped in. Oh man! I I think it's Clara that that Michael won this one. Oh! Uh, one could say I've been easer beaten. Oh wow, Zach! That's those are I I actually seed it to you. I think those are much better. Did we did we cover all of the all of them? No, we forgot one. We forgot one. What? Didn't we Didn't we miss one in all this? Did Michael make a ghost upon? Oh, I did not. That was for the steal. Oh, that was the one, right? We got because we got all the other winners from the weekend, right? I will say, I am drinking the Goza. All right. So nice. Well, is, speaking is it is it the Goza? Of that, let's uh, tone our attention to Indianapolis. <laughs> I got a spit take, an actual spit take. <laughs> that was good. That was good. I love a good spit take too. I mean, Wait, like, you're not allowed. <laughs> did he win? You're not allowed to do that. <laughs> He didn't win this I, weekend. I'm just, my, my, yeah, but I, I, it's I allow it. I allow it totally. I, my, I was uh, I was I was merely uh, mine. Mine was just a halftime uh, entertainment. It was not part of the actual competition. Uh, Major Taylor, Indianapolis. Um, so it, it it was Major Taylor and in Indianapolis. I think it it rained. I didn't. I didn't. I got there really late on Friday because. United Airlines has this new special program where if you book the right flights, they, they want to simulate driving. So they just make it longer to fly places than it would actually be to get in a car and drive there. I think this has now happened to me uh, three of the last four flights I've been on. So I spent a lot of time in Newark, New Jersey, instead of doing any kind of course preview. But that's, that's, that's okay. When I got there, I guess it was raining Friday, Thursday, Friday. They had some rain, super muddy super gross on the course, but perfect conditions to watch and cover it because it was just overcast and not raining. So it was great. It was a, a beautiful day of cyclocross with a lot of running and that, um, kind of decided it, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know what else we, we need to say. If you haven't been to the cycloplex, it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting course. So you have the kind of things you like to see from cyclocross, you have a big open field that is just huge power, perfectly pancake flat, but it was, um, a bog. I think if you've seen pictures of it in the past, I know Ethan Glading has these pictures of it in like 2017, I think where it is like the pits are in a pond and <laughs> they're just like running through open water. Uh, not that bad this time, but super muddy, lots of running, and then you get to the backside of the course that's behind the velodrome. And it's this really neat venue. So you have a velodrome, you have a BMX track, you have, they put in a, a dual slalom course, which they use for part of the cyclocross course, which was super cool. So there was inside outside lane where you come off the hill from behind the velodrome, uh, you know, a little tabletop, but it was super muddy. So not enough speed to actually get any air on that. And then you had this really sketchy drop off the other side of the velodrome. 
And then the rest was just a, a big old running slog. And uh, I think that this race, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Zach, I think we talked about this, Michael, uh, just calendar-wise, it's set up, we saw this like in, in the beginning of the season. I think we may have even mentioned it in our in our preview. Major Taylor sort of got the the odd race out, right? I mean, they were sort of in that spot that if you're doing the whole the whole pool, this is the one where people are taking the week off. Yeah, I feel like this one was definitely uh if you were a Marion student or a Marion alum, that it was obligatory, most likely that you attend this event and race there. Uh, good opportunities. I mean, for talk about, you know, we haven't done point chasing this year because we finally got our unified North American cyclocross, uh, calendar where we only had one race weekend, uh, uh, or one race per weekend. But this was like one of those ultimate points chasing opportunities. This is like ruts and guts of old, you know, except you don't, for most of like the Midwest, you didn't have to drive as far as say to like going all the way to Oklahoma to chase your, you know, C2 UCI points. So I think we saw, you know, some riders doing that. And I know a number of riders locally that had been chasing points, you know, they've been doing these races, trying to break through, doing the jingle cross Friday nights and stuff like they came up with points. So, I mean, it's a good opportunity too, if you want to race Nats and have UCI points and qualify for that, you know, I think, uh, drew a lot of the, uh, top talent from the, the amateur ranks, I guess in the Midwest. So it's just cool to see. Yeah, for sure. And, and I guess the other thing to mention is that, you know, I, I talked about all the, all of the mud, uh, day one, super muddy conditions, lots of running day two, pretty fast. You know, it, it dried up a lot. There was still a little bit of running, but it, it certainly was a lot more rideable. Oh, the, also the other, I guess the other men- part to mention is that they don't actually dry, ride on the velodrome at all, except to leave, but they do ride in the infield of the velodrome and we had uh <laughs> i think the one thing that everybody was noting nobody was going to be riding they put they plopped down their planks like in the middle of the infield and it was like ankle deep mud in there if not more and just people were talking about how they were you know to the max regulation 40 centimeter planks but when you stepped near it your foot went down another like six to eight inches into the mud and then you know for some people it was pretty much like crotch height on getting over the actual barriers it was like it was like a true steeplechase on there like um who was saying i think it was uh it was actually jules van kemp and he said if if those were the european um advertisement planks, you know, the digital ones, he would have been stepping on top of them because they, you know, they're like six inches wide because they were just so freaking high. So that was, that was an interesting feature. Here's a question, Bill, like are races allowed? Cause we've seen this before. I think like we saw this at Louisville where there were planks. Louisville was a running race. Like, are they allowed to just pull them out? Like, take yeah, out the I planks. Don't, I, yeah. Like if, if the conditions go that way, just get rid of them. I mean, it's almost just like cruel, punishment that they're still in the Fayetteville was didn't Fayetteville still have planks well you're already take running why why would you take me you're huh? already running well I think just there because it was it was just that bigger I, I can see what Zach is saying they're they're <laughs> they're fortuitous I mean there's no reason right. for them to be there they're not they are not changing the race in any significant way yeah. they're not they're not and we always talk about like wanting to have features that offer 
skilled riders an advantage over somebody who doesn't have that skill. This was just a just a wash, you know, literally. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's uh, this one might be a little bit different, but it's the ones like at Louisville where it forces another run when you're already off the bike like six or eight times per lap. It's just like it's just it's yeah. gratuitous. It's that was the know, word, not it, fortuitous, uh, superfluous. Yes. Those words, yeah, not the one it's, I use. Superfluous. It's gratuitous <laughs> uh, in terms of the amount of dismounts. But I wanted to, you know, I think Michael, you might have spurred this talk. Uh, mentioned, you know, in the bulletin about races at a velodrome. And I was surprised. We got some good Twitter feedback. The the sheer volume of yeah. races that have occurred. Like, I didn't even know that there's this many velodromes left in the world and that there's races at them. And I just did a quick cross results search. I mean, there's one in, in Australia. More than one. I think uh, every, one. I, I, for a while there, I think that every Australian, because track is so huge there, I think every cyclocross race in Australia, I swear, was at a velodrome. But how many of them are indoor, though? <laughs> they did. They did. They did used to have that indoor Belgian race, where they still allowed smoking inside Wait. too. Oh, I'm trying to remember yeah. that. It was <laughs> years ago. So it was a little fun, little fun, little aside. You know, getting to hear about the different places that uh, people, different velodromes that people have raced, and they've managed to to multi-purpose it. I mean, I remember when I when I went to Denmark Worlds, I stayed I stayed at a velodrome because <laughs> I stayed with Joachim Parbo, literally in a dorm at a at velodrome. But they had their practice there. They were kind of like using the grounds of the the velodrome and stuff for their practice. And I know he hosted a race there, so. Uh, just something that was kind of cool that I uh, I took note of. Um, should we go to the results? Right. Yeah. Michael, tell us what happened. Because uh, Michael, 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 was there a lot? Did we have broadcast for this? Was there a live stream? Did we have TV? Um, no. So you, yeah, no, no flow, no GCN. Bill on assignment. You know, didn't do the uh, the cyclocross TV. So. Um, yeah, I, it's I would I didn't watch it. I'm looking at the results, but uh, you know I'm seeing that uh, in the men's race goes a Vandermeer gets gets the win. I mean that's that's pretty great. You know, comes to the states, sees the vagabond cyclocross racers, gets the win in the states. I'm sure he was um, pretty stoked about that. And then uh, let's see, day two we had um. So this is what I just figured out. Scott Funston second on 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 day one, first on day two. Caleb Schwartz, marrying alum, right, Zach? Yes. Okay. So they got punked because Scott Funston is Colorado Mesa, I believe. Oh no, some collegiate beef. Yeah, that's that's got to be kind of tough for Marion to have a. And I, I apologize if I got the wrong school, but I know uh, Scott races for one of the collegiate schools and coming into your home turf and planting the yeah whatever whatever program he he races for flag. I think I want to say planting the Bill, isn't spikes. that right? Isn't he in that maroon and yellow I, Colorado that Mesa sounds, kit? That sounds that, right. Okay, we're all going yeah, to the exactly. Google right now. <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, Sonny Gilbert went in going back-to-back. Um, reminisce- I, I don't know, Bill. You tell me. It sounds like it was a running race. I'm, of course, thinking of you know Sonny Gilbert's second place at Louisville Nationals. Seems like definitely uh, her style of race. Yeah, um, for sure. Just to backtrack one second, Zach, always go with your first instinct. Colorado Mesa University for Scott Funston. Confirmed. 
I was going to say, the Zach <laughs> Schuster has just irrelevant information from the last six years of cyclocross put in his brain. It happened again. Right, because you're the guy who goes to Nationals on Wednesday and has to report on, well, you had to report on every race, including on the collegiate races, so... Well, based on that, though, one would argue by Saturday, my brain is mush and, you know, I'm dead and everything just blends together. But somehow I remembered that one. So you're not you're, you're not dead, just your soul. <laughs> but then we come back to life when everyone shows up on Sunday. We don't have to have we don't have to have that conversation this year. I'm so excited. I'm just going to go and hang out. And people are like, hey, do you want to like, should we do a thing and get some drinks? And I'm like, oh, yeah, we should get some drinks. This is going to be the best nationals ever. I'm excited. Wait, are we live podcasting? Uh, Whoa, slow your roll there, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to, back uh, to the so, results. Yeah, back to the results. So, so here's the interesting thing. If we, uh, yeah, you were talking about the women's race with Sonny Gilbert winning uh the one thing (laughs) critique not a criticism again i don't know what the difference is but it just sounds nicer uh that i will say about the track at major taylor and and, uh, they know this i guess the uci was fine with it you know but um the pits the pits are supposed to be as close to 50 50 as you can get them. Otherwise you do half of the course. You go to pit one, you do the other half of the course you go to pit two, you know? So it's kind of, you're doing the same amount between pits on Saturday. The pits were, I I, I mean, charitably 75, 25 more, you know, maybe, maybe 70, 30, you know, r- around there. But basically it, when you're finishing your lap, you are taking a bike on pit two, going through the grass field, running on day one, going a little bit of an off camber that just went across, uh, adjacent to the start finishing stretch, jumping on the start finishing stretch screaming down that taking one turn running down one section and you are at pit one and then you do all of the rest of the course so it was it was to the point that a lot of people could not if if you were going to take a bike every quote half lap you took one pit one and you took one pit two but there was absolutely no way you could take one pit two and then take one pit you you know you couldn't you couldn't go back to back on that other side because there wasn't enough time to wash your other bike and have it back you know unless you had like three bikes it just wasn't happening it was too close so all all that is to say that the pit one was really close to the start like within the within the first minute you were at pit one which is perfectly fine uh Sunny Gilbert, and she talked about it after the race. Actually, she was like, this is the first time we've ever had a pit strategy. And her strategy was to take a bike on, on pit one within a minute of the race starting. And it worked to perfection because it was this huge muddy bog right before that complete chaos. Everybody is like, I'm on a fresh bike and they're staying to the left Sonny's sitting fourth, fifth position, just sort of veers off to the right, 
screams down pit row, gets a new bike, hops on out, and she's already got like a four-second gap. And then it was just kind of game over from there. To jump ahead to Sunday, and what I love about cyclocross is, you know, it did dry up a little. They also took out some sections between pit two, back to the start, to pit one. So then it was 80-20. Like, it was nothing. And it was faster between pit two and pit one. But everybody was like, oh, everybody in the pits is like watching Sonny do this. And they're like, light bulb day two, we're taking a bike on lap one. And it was hilarious because like the through lane was almost empty. And then the pits were a mess because everybody's like, Sonny Gilbert, (laughs) pit strategy. And they're all just going into the pits to get a bike. And then it just negated everything. I think actually Lauren Zerner was the, she had the whole shot, went in, got a bike, got out and, you know, kept it. And it was pretty much status quo from there. But it was, it was kind of neat just that there was a strategy. It did work on day one. You know, Zach, you go, you watch game tape, you come in with your defensive plan for game two. And then it's just like, you know, it wasn't a strategy anymore. Well, and I love this too, because when we get to Euro Corner, we can talk about the pits on the uh, the elite women's race at Overice uh, as well. So love the uh, love the pit corner and uh, when when pits matter. Uh, so kind of kind of yeah. interesting. And it, well, actually both days, because then you have the Copenberg where you have some of the riders bust out the uh, the Phil Gaiman climbing bike uh, for the, <laughs> the opening climb and then they pit right away. So it sounds like this episode is unavoidably just going to be the pits. The, me- yeah. the media pit. Hey. The media pit. But um, I don't know. I, I think that, you know, since we're on pits, w- would this be a good time to take a bike exchange? I think so. I got my hand up. All right. Hey, we're stealing, fr- we're stealing from the Slow Ride podcast. We're not doing a pre-lap. Pre-lap. We're doing uh, a bike exchange. So we're just going to take this time to talk about our sponsor, which is Hammerhead. And uh, Michael, you had it. You looked at it. You liked the way it looked. And now you've actually put put it on your bike. So tell me tell me about the Karoo 2. Yeah, so I finally, I've ridden with it three times now. And so I don't know if, People are aware, but uh, Raylan Nuss and Jeremy Dunn are doing a three-on-three tournament at Worlds. So I'm I'm getting ready. I think the media pit's going to fill the team. We're going to hoop it up. So I'm I'm trying to find a basketball hoop to go shoot at. And I looked at Google Maps on my computer, and I was like, oh, there are some parks around this area. I put my computer on the crew on my bike, and that, what I like about it is because it's literally like riding around with like your computer open. So I just kind of pointed myself in the direction of where I knew these parks were, and I could just see on my crew where they were, and I would ride there and check it out, see if there was a hoop, and then just keep pedaling on. So I wasn't pulling out my phone, stopping. I was literally just continuing to ride and looking at the uh, big map, and I thought that was that was actually pretty cool. I know that we we talked about before how we we are all kind of like hills aren't exactly geogra- we're in our geographic area so I'm assuming that the hill the hill uh, feature never still hasn't clicked on. <laughs> no, I mean like literally like I it's I have the screen up but there's nothing because literally there is no elevation here. Like it's not like you know you guys might have rolling hills. We don't have anything. I I mean not 
Tim on the slow ride talks about his highest climb being overpass and the legitimacy that is our climbs in New Orleans there overpasses. So uh, this Saturday, I'm going to try it out the club ride. We do go over and over a bridge. We have a pretty, uh, a pretty cool spirally spiral overpass. So I'm excited to take it out there and see what it shows me. Yeah, so uh, you were talking about the the screen and and how you didn't have to pull your phone out. Actually, that's that's part of what they hype with the crew too. That you can see your data clearly, high res, full color, smartphone like screen, touchscreen display. It's responsive, gives you on the go flexibility, and and water and scratch resistant as well. All right, so uh, yeah, for a limited time. As you've heard before from us, our listeners can get a free Hammerhead heart rate monitor with the purchase of a Karoo 2. You can visit hammerhead.io right now and use the promo code CXRADIO, C-X-R-A-D-I-O, at checkout to get yours today. That's a free Hammerhead heart rate monitor with the purchase of a Karoo 2 when you go to hammerhead.io and use the promo code CXRADIO. Only for a limited time. Up oh, here comes our fresh, clean bike. We are back on the course. Let's get back to the show. Boys. So I correct. I don't know where I heard this. And Bill, you're going to, you might be the guy to ask this, but I heard someone say once that cyclocross season in Europe does not start till the Copenberg. Is this a true statement? Have I heard this somewhere or am I just imagining this? I, I don't know if I've heard that, so maybe maybe people can chime in and 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 let us know. But uh, I don't know. Maybe should we start that? Should that be our? If not, well, so we're going to pretend that 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 someone said this. Someone in Belgium said this, okay. and you know, if you've listened to us, we've had the Euro corner. Uh, not much going on. I, I think we've been really focused on the great racing we've had. We've had great coverage. We went through these six, you know, Kerry calls the, the World Cups the stage race of Cyclocross of America. But I, I really think the last six weeks were just the stage race of Cyclocross of North America. Just bing, bang, boom. You know, it just kept going. We finally got this reprieve. And I think somehow Sunday morning, we all found ourselves watching over ISA and texting each other. And I was I was like, boys. Is, is Euro racing back for the media pit? And I think we all kind of agreed that uh, Euro Corner was going to take up a, a good chunk of this episode. And, you know, we really had two great races. And I'll start with this observation. I feel like, you know, over ISA was a World Cup last year. And I think we lamented a lot of event, you know, the number, sheer number of World Cups. And we definitely got some duds, uh, some Dender, Dender duds in terms of the courses. But for me, I felt like, you know, over ISA was driving cross. It was the mother of all crosses. It's been around forever. And, you know, in recent years, it's just, it's been a great course. It's been challenging. It's been hard. I think they've actually taken out some of the gnarly descents. <laughs> Although some, some riders uh, <laughs> uh, got caught up in them anyway. Uh, but yeah, I, I like. I think that this course is the one to me that I was super stoked that it became a World Cup because I think it's really shined in the last two years. Yeah, what's what's the history with Overise? Because it it was there and then it disappeared for a little while and then now it's back. It was a non-series race. I it was kind of like one of those. Okay. I mean, there's very few like that, an athe- atheist type thing. Not even not no. It was like the um, the knock okay. to Worden, like the the night race, or like um, there were just Odeham, a handful Odeham, that were those things. They were the yeah. independent contractors of the Belgian uh, cyclocross world. 
Yeah, I'm 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 with you 100%, Zach. This was the first weekend that I was pretty stoked to watch European cyclocross and I've, you know, I've tried to tune in a little bit, but it wasn't really capturing my attention like it did with with uh this weekend's racing. I think it helped that we didn't have any racing on Saturday. I feel like that was a I don't know why, but that made it easier for me to get up on Sunday stoked to watch over icy um over ice. And also, I just want to say we had two races this weekend on cobbles which i didn't i've forgotten that over isa has um cobbles in it too uh, uh cool. over isa driving cross was first held in 1960 uh so this race Whoa. has been around so everybody a everybody's gonna just call us po- cyclocross posers for not knowing the uh the history of of this um you know the mother of all crosses. who i mean and now this is not fair because i mean i you know there wasn't a women's edition for the longest time but who holds the record for the most wins at the mother of all crosses audrey vanderpool yeah, that's a good guess michael richard Grondahl. sven roland libetone sven. 15 ah, libetone he was he was there yeah, so uh, let's get into some of that that uh, over over ISO action. I don't, is it ISA over? Uh, pronounce it for me. Over ESA. Our boys on the uh, GCN broadcast, and they've been putting in work trying to pronounce things correctly. I mean, they were saying over ISA. I'm gonna I'm gonna while you guys are talking, I'm gonna consult my um, my Belgian expert, and then I'll get back to you guys. Is that Google pronunciation or something? Nope, nope. <laughs> oh. I, I, I I know Belgian. Uh, so yeah, so what is this? The uh the fifth World Cup, I think. Um, you know, the second one back. We had Zonhoven last weekend. Notable for uh North American fans uh because Claire Hansinger and Katie Klaus were both over uh starting their European campaign. So they they ended up taking last week off, so they did it a little bit differently. They took Cincy off, and now they're they're back in the game, and I think they're going to be racing pretty strong here for the, the next month uh, up through Nationals, so it's pretty exciting to see. Um, but so I guess like you know the, the elite women's race, uh, it starts with a big climb, and then it just kind of started with a, a cluster mess in the pits. Uh, did you guys get a chance to see? Uh, it looks like... Looks like one of our, our young riders, as far as I could tell, wasn't it? Wasn't it Van Empel's fault? <laughs> I, yeah. So talk talk us through. I mean, what do you think? Uh, what's what's your what's your breakdown? What are your X's and O's of the of the mishap in the pits, the melee in the pits? Well, I guess I I guess I kind of mostly missed it. I just saw her like not with a bike, but her bike perpendicular to the lane of travel. And really the one who got hurt the most was Lucinda Brand. I think that's why people really noticed is because Lucinda Brand was up in like second or third wheel and then she was back in like 15th or 20th. But uh, I saw a very frustrated Femme Van Empel. I don't know if she missed her handoff or something, but it just seems like it was a cluster mess. And But was there really a reason for everyone to go? It seems like everyone went with the opening... Am I missing where they went with the the opening lap bike exchange? Because it was that the, well, you go up the cobbled climb, you hang a hard left, and you go right into the pit. Right, that's where yeah. it happened. Yeah, that's where that's well, they they are following Sunny's plan, right? That's right. They all watched well, Major I, Taylor um, on our uh, in in the bulletin Slack. Jan Buxton, who's very good at breaking down things for us that we miss, had the had this Bruder, uh screen caps that. Even watching it, I, I mean, he, what what he was trying to show was Brand going in fifth and coming out seventeenth. But even even seeing what he has screen capped, 
and having watched it, I, I still don't know what happens other than what you're saying, Fan, Fen Van Eppel. Everybody is uh, facing north and she's facing south. So <laughs> definitely something happened there. But what? And it just, I mean, I mean is so here's the problem. And actually, I can go back and clarify something that I was talking about last week. And I think this is, is relevant when, when um, we were discussing why people wanted Michael Van Tornout to be DQ'd in Fayetteville. It wasn't because he got help outside of his box. It's because he got his bike exchange outside of the Belgian area. But, but so he was, he got the bike all the way down at the Dutch area. So that, that's what they were like. That's against rules. So just to sort of clean that up a little bit, which brings me to this mess. When you have 27 Dutch women at the beginning of a race and they all go into the pits at the same time, isn't this inevitable? I mean, there was, there's nobody like right. changing at the other end because that's, you know, if, if you're like, you know, I don't know where Blanca Voss is, but if she's nowhere near the Dutch and that's where I would pick my pit box to be, then, then you've got a pretty clean, clean ride of it. In fact, I know in the past talking to Federation bosses, uh, <laughs> one in particular whose whole, um, pit selection process was stay away and this was for the men stay away from the Belgians and the Americans because both are just a mess and they're all over the place and you don't want your rider anywhere near them because it's just chaos so I would say my if I were not Dutch I would be as far away from the Dutch if I were a women's team as possible do they give the Dutch do you get more than one box I mean if you have that many people or are you all in the same area i I want to say yes to that, but I'm not, there might be like a Dutch too. I think that is correct. Like some of the countries, but I'm not sure how that works, but also how the allocations go. It's by team ranking. So they get to pick first, you know, they get to decide where they're going to be. And then everybody else sort of shuffles around them. So I guess the kind of the upshot of, of all the chaos early on is we kind of kind of got a little deja vu to last year. We had the, the Betsima off the front with, you know, I know I think Puck Pieters. Or how, I don't know how to say her name correctly. Petersa? Puck Petersa? Right, please, someone please correct me on the internet for, for saying her name incorrectly. Um, and Blanca Vosh were kind of there too, but you had, you had Betsima off the front. And I think that... You know, I mean, I, I have to like, we've critiqued her riding and I think Jeremy Powers, you know, I mean, he kind of said it best. He's like, you know, she races best uh, when she's off the front or this was last year, right? If she was off the front, she was good to go. It's like when she came under hardship or when she had to compete. And my takeaway from some of these races earlier this year is like, she was doing a really good job competing. I mean, she went into the last lap with Voss at the first race of the season. She didn't get off the front. You know, she rode away at the, at the end of the race and was making moves. So it seems like she was kind of adding that to her game, but you know, she was, she had a decent lead and it was a muddy track. It was an off Cambry track and she slipped out on one of the descents and it came back to be three riders. And it seemed like, she was just not the same. Like after that, she just looked, they'd cut to her and she just looked like one of those where it's like, I'm having the worst day and I'm going to grit this out and try to finish this, but I want to be literally anywhere else at this point. Um, so it was kind of interesting to see, you know, kind of these points that it, you know, Jeremy and I guess people who have criticized him, like 
dude has been just dropping knowledge bombs like all season long on the broadcast and just like educating people and showing how much you know knowledge he has of the sport and i i don't know i'm just gonna have to outsource my observations to jeremy because i he nailed it yeah i think she's i think she has struggled late in the late in the game though and i I think that is that that's that pressure though that jeremy's talking about and you know that's something i thought maybe was going to happen in copenberg and and it it didn't actually have to happen but um I also think that we are seeing we're seeing the other riders and I'm talking about mostly Puck really because we've seen Voss ride sort of at this level but Puck Peters is one who's finally kind of sticking it right comes out hot hops the barriers but never has had that like ability to last and now she's sort of like the last few races is sort of in in the mix at the end and adding to that pressure on on Petsma yeah, I was, I mean, like fast forwarding though, I mean, because she was at Zonhoven, she was off the front with Batsuma. She was the rider who was there and, you know, couldn't carry it. And I, I kind of like when it was, when it, so spoiler, it got down to, to Vosh and Puck. I was just like, they were, you know, on the broadcast, they're like, this is going to be a great battle. I'm like, no, it's not. Like Puck is not going to be able to carry this to the end. And, um, you know, she kind of faded. She actually, I mean, she tried to come back uh, going into the last lap, but, you know, uh, Vosh, uh, finally did it. So here's what's interesting. You know, guys, we talked about the youth movement. We've got all this young talent, but by and large, you know, we, we had uh, Vosh was on the podium at the Jingle Cross World Cup, but it's been kind of like the old guard that's been doing the thing. You know, now if we throw Alvarado and Castelline, who are like 24 years old as the quote unquote old guard. But, you know, up until this race, we hadn't really seen uh, the breakthrough race. So, Bill, the, the question that I I got to ask you, did Blanca Vosh come of age on Sunday? Yeah. Well, one, yes. I, I think that she's definitely shown that she's going to be a force. And we've seen this. You know, we saw it with Alvarado. You know, it was like, let me figure out how to beat Brand and Worst in a sprint. And once she did that, it was like, poof. You know, now I am the best rider in the world. And it, it, it's just crazy how that can just sort of happen overnight with some of these riders. I'm not saying that's going to happen with uh, Vosh, but it, it, it's this is definitely a good start. But I think I was even saying last week that it's this, this the, the young guns in the women's, you know, the young guns who are younger than the other young guns, which we had last year, seem to be, you know, uh, amassing at the gates. And and this week, I think, they, I think they've broken through. And... And it's it's really true with when we look at, you know, and I know Alvarado's going through some physical things as she's trying to work out and, you know, who knows where worst is at this this part. But uh, other than it, it seems like Betsema and the kids at this point that are uh, kind of fighting it out at the front. So here's an here's another thing uh, for you guys uh, that I guess I found interesting is uh, you know we look at the the women's field and there's been there hasn't been like stasis right we've just kind of had like the rise of this rider or this group of riders you know last year Brand was just unbeatable the year before it was prime time um, I, I guess it's kind of against that backdrop that it's almost impressive how the elite men's field just has not changed for like five years like it's wild <laughs> like. True. It's the same guys. And then we're like, oh, we've got some young talent coming up. Ryan Camp's not as good as those guys. Like, you're still just the same horses because they're better than all of them. Like, you know, I mean, Pidcock accepted or whatever. So I I love that we're still seeing, and maybe that's part of the problem with um, 
you know, the elite men's racing is it's all kind of the same faces with the elite women's. We're just getting like, you know, different things going on. And it sure seems so far that this year, uh, I mean, do you feel that brand is the favorite for worlds this year? I don't, I don't know. I, I was actually going to make a two, two way too early worlds prediction and say that Voss, you know, you go, you go girl. Uh, she's going to win it. Wait, Voss or Vosh? Vas, as in the Spanish word for you go. Okay, but you have to pronounce v- it with the Hungarian accent. Is that is that really how you pronounce it? But is she so okay, so this okay. is a good question. Yes. So she yes. she is racing elite Euros this weekend. So she announced she's doing the elites for Euros. Does she do so you're saying she does well enough? Are you are you making the leap that she does well enough that she's just like, you know what, even though I got screwed by geometry last year, Fayetteville, <laughs> I'm going all in and doing elites this year? I mean, are you making that prediction? Yeah. Yeah. Is she going the is she doing the Alvarado? Right. I mean she and she has a few more years to to, to do various uh iterations of the Alvarado. I don't know. I just I just you see someone you see a rider kind of pull it all together. And you, you just you want to you want to take the long bet and uh, yeah I'm 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 way too early. Euro elites is a whole different story. That's not there's no real pressure on that on that race. So you can you can throw your hat into the there's no there's no there, there's no drawback to that. If she doesn't win it, she doesn't win it. Who cares? You go on to next week for worlds. There's there's really no turning back. If she makes that decision this year that she's going to race elite, then even if it goes awful, I don't think you can then say, you know, when you're 21 years old, okay, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to downgrade, you know, and, and, and go back to a cat two right. and, and race in the U 23s. I, I just don't think that that's, it works that way. So it will be interesting to see, to see the advice that she gets on that. And it's not like, she won world champs as U23 last year. So there's there's something to be said for, you know, get the jerseys you can. You got a long career in front of you. Just uh, and, and that way, you know, it's one less problem. It's always, it's always that, oh, thank goodness, you know, X rider is racing in the U23s and we don't have to deal with them as a favorite in the elites. I just have to say, I've got to get a, give a shout out to my buddy. Uh, he'll know that this is uh, me talking about him. But you can you can do the there's a reverse there's a reverse sandbagging. So you can race elites all year, as, but then you can you can sandbag in the masters category to get your dub, uh, you know, to kind of like up the confidence, get that win, and then you can go back to the elite. So he's proven, my friend, has proven that you can do this. Uh, so well, it's, it's it's what Loana Lecomte did last year in uh mountain biking she was winning elite races and then she went and got herself a u23 uh world championships oh so, but i guess no 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 i'm saying though i'm saying though that like if it doesn't go well so like uh he, he oh, the, okay. so the elites were not going i i think he would admit to like the level that he thought he was going to achieve that and he needed that he needed yeah. that dub at the master's level so he uh he bagged it in his age group i'd like to actually know if there's been a rider who has stepped up early i mean can you go back like the rules? Like, can you go back the next year? I mean, Blanca Vosh is uh, raising age 20. So she has a, two more years. Like I'm I curious think that you, so you have to petition to, for the waiver to race elite. And I don't, 
I don't know. It'd be really interesting. I don't know of anybody who's petitioned back or if you even have to. I mean, you could just say, well, the rule says I'm this age. And then I don't think I've never seen a rule. Of course, you see, maybe it was in a, you know, like 1997 president's uh, newsletter that, you know, we before we all had email and and we just didn't, didn't get it. But I'm not sure that 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 exists, but maybe someone out there uh, knows. Can I? I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to go back and have the 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 Betsma conversation again. But I I do want to think. What what is what is Denise Betsma's strength then? Is kind of my question because she's able to get out front, yet she doesn't seem like she's able to hang with the power horses once they start rolling, and then she also doesn't seem to do well if she's has to be technical following wheels. So what is it that? What what's the mojo where she wins these races? Uh, her, I mean, her fast starts, her her VO two, okay. her fast, her ability to just go out hard and end it. I mean, right? Because like cyclocross, I generally speaking, that there's usually a couple laps where it's it's in uh, in flux, but then typically everyone just kind of ends up riding their FTP, and that's why we you know at threshold and no one can go anywhere. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it seems like she's able to to get those decisive wins. And that's, I guess, is what I will be watching is that she showed earlier in some of these uh, preseason games uh, that I thought maybe she was practicing trying to win races late. But we saw where, you know, it was kind of the same old story where under pressure she made a mistake and it just kind of like compounded. Um, so we did not necessarily see that this year. So I guess that would be, you know, I the the reverse dangler. I don't know. <laughs> Because I, 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 if when we talk about Copenberg Cross, I mean it was it was really evident that like she didn't she lost it on lack of power, but then seemed to you know stay in contact. And we'll get to it with I don't want to jump the gun with Clara on on more technical. There were some technical sections that she was able to to pick up time on Clara, but once it became like super powerful or super uphill, then she couldn't. So I, I don't know. It's just it's, it's just a weird weird equation. Um, but maybe we should even talk about Clara in this race or Michael. What do you well, think? I, I just want to say on, on Betsma, I kind of think that she's just sort of good at a lot of things, but not great at one. Yeah. And so in, in a races that sort of have one of those defining factors, um, she just doesn't quite have the ability to, to sort of get away. I mean, she's like, she can climb, but as we saw on Monday, she's not as good as climber as, 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 as um, Hansiger. And she, she's technically fairly decent, but does make those mistakes and can get caught out. So I just, I kind of think that, there, that she's like really good at a lot of, or she's like fairly good at a lot of things. And sometimes like Zach says, she gets in a situation where she gets out front and then she sort of settles it. But that's sort of what I was thinking about watching her this weekend. Yeah. And I guess it was ultimately that inability to, to have that finishing that uh, blew the perfect OPP. I, Michael, right. you took the brand last year. I think you were the winning bet. Uh, she brand was like, you know what? I had my OPP of last year. It's you. It's mano a mano, and I'm denying you a podium spot. And that's really was her motivation. Right. It wasn't about trying to take back the overall jersey from Denise Betsema. It was the battle of the perfect OPP. She, Lucinda Brand, is like the friggin' 1972 Miami Dolphins, and she was yes. like, I am going to rain and it out crap all over your parade. <laughs> no perfect OPP. <laughs> I, if, I, I, was, I, was, I was in the on deck with the reference, so good job, Zach. 
I wanted. <laughs> so something interesting about Brand before over Isa is she said before the race, which I thought was really interesting here, that she said if she could get on the podium, that would be a good day. Which I was surprised to hear Brand, the, the world champion, won, as you said, Zach, an amazing OPP last year, sort of admit to that on camera and then sort of, you know, have that incident in the pit and sort of come back and, 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 and do it and get on the podium. I thought that was kind of a cool thing. Yeah, for sure. I, I, you know, it, yeah. I don't know. I guess I guess everybody has their, their different pre, pre-game, what they're going to reveal, how they're going to couch it. I don't know. Um, one last thing before we go to the men, this is a race where you had uh, Vosh, Hansinger, Berkir, and Persico, I guess Fouquene in the top 10 non-Dutch riders. So you only had one, two, three, four, uh, right. were, were Dutch. And it's, it's kind of interesting. Cause I, I like that. I think that a lot of other people just tuned in for these races as well, but I, I saw some, some Twitter chatter saying, Oh, it's so nice on the women's side where it's more of an international feel to it, you know, and, and where the men's where it's all Belgian. I'm like, what crap is that? Like, it's been just Dutch, 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 <laughs> Dutch, Dutch for so long. There's no international feel to it. <laughs> Tell me, tell me you haven't watched cyclocross since 2018 without telling me you haven't watched cyclocross uh, from 2018. Yeah, so I, I, I found that quite humorous. But it is, it is nice to see other, <laughs> other nationalities out there, but I don't... Well, know, and we'll before we leave, continues. Yeah. if you don't follow me on Twitter, after Sunday, somewhere there was a six-year-old, six-day-old, sorry, six-day-old <laughs> in the Netherlands wondering... <laughs> If a Dutch person would ever win another race, <laughs> <It's like laughs> let's go the men. I, I hope this goes for a while. I, I will say on the on the on the men's side, you know, uh, not having the same issues with uh, the top five at Overijsa being all from from Belgium. I don't know. I, actually, this was a good race. This was a really good race. This was a was a compelling race. Uh, I don't. Is there anything to really talk about except for the? the battle between Ailey, Michael, and Tone? Well, yeah, but first, I mean, the man that was up there was Q. Our man Q right. uh, was sure. in the yep. mix. Uh, and what it was interesting to watch because, like, it looked, you know, we can have the debate about who the the greatest teammate in cyclocross is, but Van Turnout was, like, chopping his lines, pushing him into bad lines, taking away inside corners, kind of really making things miserable for him and basically kind of forced Hermans to Hermans to just go the front uh, to be like, I do not want to deal with Michael Van Turnhout. Uh, but guys, I, you know, fool me once. Shame on what was the, <laughs> I was going to do the George on, Bush one. That's on the me. one I remember. Shame <laughs> on me. Fool me twice. Shame on you. Uh, does, does Quinn have a problem with, with crashing? Uh, I mean, I you know the the track one we can forgive, but it seems like he's really knocking himself out of contention quite frequently in these races. Kind of feels like he's going to the queue of last year, like with this sort of going out hot and then disappearing. Well, not disappearing, but sort of not not sticking with it. Well, in this one, he just he flat out crashed. Like he crashed. Uh, he went down. He was might have been in the lead. He fell back. Uh, he broke a boa, so he had to do a shoe exchange. Um, you know, so I, for the foreseeable future, I was spelling it Q R A S H. I would like to be proven otherwise, but I think that he, 
has been having some issues. I guess one of the upshots of the shenanigans going on at the front is that Tone was able to bridge. And then we got the Tone the tone V, the sauce. At one point, it was Tone V, three sauces. We got to get that man some help. He needs some help. This is the thing, like, so you kind of hit on the head earlier, Zach, and you said in the men's race, or maybe that's Bill, just the same, the same people, the same five guys at the front. And I, I'm just thinking, I'm just, I'm watching this race and I'm watching Tone be, you know, beat up by the sauces and trying to take them on. I'm like, he's got to be looking over to Nyes, to Sven, in the pit. And he's like, dude, can you go to the arm barn and like, get me someone else? Like, what in the world what do I got to do to get some relief? You know, like he's kind of like LeBron on that Cleveland team where they, what they got like <laughs> Tristan Thompson and like some other, like, I don't even remember who else they got. They're like, Oh, we're helping you this year. And they brought in like just two guys. Like LeBron just had to be like, just why. And then he, that's why he ended up in Miami. Uh, it's just like, what, what can I do? Like, can I get some help? Like what, what does a guy got to do to get some help? Hey, just, just give it a couple more days. And the, the coach's sons, uh, you know, collarbone will be completely 100% healed and, and he'll be right up That's there right. Offering, that, uh, offering that assistance coming out of the arm barn. Nicely played. <laughs> oh, that's le- legit arm barn right there, too. Like he went. Yeah. So, so Bill, I, Bill, I think you had the best analysis of the, the end of this race, though. I mean, it was super competitive and super tight. So, I mean, give was us it, your. Was it, yeah. So, th- was this final lap or was it penultimate lap that it went down? It was bell lap, it was, yeah. Yeah, it was final final lap. You had Ailey, Michael Van Torn out, and Tone. Ailey was setting the pace. Tone was on his wheel. Van Torn out was just there lurking. And you're talking about um, best teammate. I think actually uh, uh, our, our friends over at Clam Bitchin memes. Any idea <laughs> who may who it may be? Uh, um, had the had the shake and bake from uh, Talladega Nights up there, which I think was a great a great comparison. And you're talking about best teammates. I mean, Van Tornout just played this perfectly. First tone tone screwed up. I mean, let's just. I mean, Zach, I think you were pretty critical about this that he just he knew what he couldn't do and he just let it happen. You know, he he let enough space go between himself and Ezerbeat left lane open for Van Tornout to come around right before one of the tough climbing sections. And as soon as Van Tornout got in front of him, it was all over. And we, we, we sometimes reference the Saturn sit-up. And if people don't know what that was, it was back uh, in the domestic road racing days when Saturn was the biggest and strongest domestic team in the land. And they would have their sprint train and then the guy on the front or you know wherever near the front would just take off and then they had the next four guys and all of them would just like just basically take their foot off the gas and just allow this huge gap to go sitting up more or less no one else behind could get around to get up to the guy and then they would win races i mean they did it all the time it was you know so they they would just refer to it as the saturn sit-up this was the sauces sit-up i mean basically van tornow got in front of them slow rolled that climb for just like a tick. You know, it wasn't even that much. He didn't have to do that much, but it just killed all of Tone's 
momentum. It wasn't as much a break check as it was just, uh, I'm going 60% here. And then Ailey was able to get that gap. And then Tone never recovered. Once he lost that momentum, I don't know if he just, you know, psychologically knew it was over or what, but he was just done. And then Mantornot was able to, you know, follow his teammate in and take second. And it was just, it was brilliant. I mean, maybe they'll say, oh, no, that's not what happened at all. We didn't, you know, nothing like it. But I don't know. That looked that looked too good, strategically too good not to not to be what happened. Yeah, and my take was that, you know, it was coming off, I think, that steep riser uh, that was giving riders, you know, f- various level of fits. And, you know, Tone was kind of like struggling to, to get with it. And Ailey was, I think Tone was tired too. He put in a big attack in, I think, the penultimate lap where he was trying to get that split and it just didn't happen. But yeah, like it was one of those situations where you, and you don't know where they are. I think it's hard because you don't know where they are. And so you always have to be engaged in putting out that effort. And I think you get to that point where you're just like, oh, I don't want to, like, I literally can't do this. And if you don't, you leave yourself open. I mean, we saw it again, the, the famous with Fluky at, at Mountain Bike Worlds. Should have done an extra dig just to deny that corner. Uh, we saw it with Kerry and Brunner, where when Brunner passed Kerry, Kerry didn't think, Kerry thought he had the pace high enough and he didn't. Like, he needed to, to, just have a little bit more oomph at that one moment and Brunner sensed it. And I think that was just perfectly played. Like, as you said, by Van Turnout recognizing that that was an opportunity to like, then just kind of like slide into a uh, Saturn sit up for all, for all of you. If, if we want to go for a more uh, recent reference, um, uh, Michael Van Turnout is Checo Perez. Red Bull for Stappen's uh, teammate. I I've not I didn't see I haven't I only watch on Netflix. Somebody out there will get it. Well, uh, Michael, Michael, which crit did we see this? Right. At? So Tulsa Tough Day Two. Um, Justin says he didn't sit up. That he, he Justin says he sat up not on purpose because he literally couldn't hold on anymore. But he did let a gap open and Best Buddies had to uh, come around and chase. And then Justin got a ride and uh, yeah, he, he got, got a, he got a really in. fast second wind. Yeah. For yeah, being for yeah. being cracked and then able to get what he got fourth after his after his three teammates or something. <laughs> they, they, I think they went one through four that race. Yeah, yeah. he might have got on the podium. Yeah, maybe yeah. got fourth. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah. Should we, uh, yeah, guys? I oh yeah, go. We gotta we gotta move on. We're we're over this ice, but like like let's get on to like the biggest news of the weekend i kind of can't believe we're like this long in the podcast we haven't talked we, about we are we are masters at burning the headline for sure so I mean, everybody knows but like yeah. i mean it was a it was a great freaking monday i don't know I, I was i gotta say it was it was kind of a how do i say this it was really great to see the stars and stripes jersey Winning in Europe again, and on the back of Clara Hansiger, little glow plugs. Loved it. Love to see it, guys. I just got to ask. Um, you guys both work from home, right? Were you no. were you disappointed when were you disappointed that you didn't have coworkers to ask you if you have a case of the Mondays, and you'd be like, "No, I don't," <laughs> because Clara fucking Hansiger won Copenberg. I were you guys disappointed? I was late to work because I stayed at home to watch. Oh, okay. I- <laughs> I was in the Indianapolis airport. <laughs> yeah, I texted you guys. I said, guys. And Bill's <laughs> like, hi. I'm like, he must not be watching. <laughs> so I want to I talk about this about Clara. I oh, think, I was watching. Like, 
we've 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 exhausted everyone's exhausted um you know uh friendly critiques i guess of of her riding and i guess uh my takeaway from watching i was watching the jingle cross start and i guess it's always just i'm always curious like how she ends up in these bad positions and at jingle cross uh at the start first Megaly rochette just like shoves her out of the way and claire drops back like five spots and then later on down the long hole shot like uh, she lets ellen van loy just like shove her out of the way shove her back another five spots i think uh I think we saw new Clara this weekend. I mean, I even looking at the start of Overice, uh, she was aggressive at the start. Like she was, she was asserting herself. Like she was, you know, she had a good start in that race. Like she was yeah. pretty close until someone wiped out on her uh, in front of her. Was it Arzufi? No, it was Lechner. Lechner wiped out and Claire basically ran over her front wheel. Um, you know, and that really set her back, but she had a really good start. Like she was in a good position, but like at Copenberg, she was just bossing spots at a time. Like there was one where she just took two spots and was like, I'm going to take this from you. And I love to see it. Yeah. I mean, you saw her, I mean, it was a, talk about a heavy track. It was a 14 minute lap, but, uh, she was never out of sight, always in the camera of that front lead group. And you kind of were like, okay, we haven't seen this um, in a European race for Clara yet. So I was pretty excited that we were going to, like, she had a really good opportunity then to, to, to do it. And so, yeah, I think she had a great start. And Zach, I mean, I think, I think maybe you're right. I think, uh, you know, she's, she's, she's over there. She's, she's sharpened her elbows uh, on the, on the plane flight to Europe. And that's what, I mean, everyone's takeaway. You talk to literally every, you know, we've, I've done enough of the uh, Cyclocross magazine. So how was your first time racing in Europe interviews? And they're like, it's so intense. Like you just have to, you, you got to fight for every, every position and stuff. And so, you know, I mean, I would love to, to, to see it if, you know, and she's still young, you know, she's like, we're like Claire Hansinger. She's still old, you know, she's in, what is this her third year as an elite? So, I mean, she's still a really young rider and has a lot uh, to learn, but the story was, that start first time ever riding up the Copenberg. She didn't even get right. to ride up the big climb. <laughs> That's insane. Ah, it's just it's just like Namor. She knew how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fair. Um, but I this mean, this course no, was gnarly. Not. I mean, I, this was this was reminiscent of. I mean, I think this is like the slickest. Like, the, I mean, the number of off cambers. What I like about this course is that it's never the same. That they've been running this race forever. There's the climb has been in since I think 2017 is when they added the climb up the cobbles back in. But it's always different. Like, there's no. I, it just seems like you never know where it's going to end up going on the way down. And I, I guess oh, yeah. that's kind of cool. And, and the finish used to be at the bottom. You know, it was. I think it was seven years ago. Yesterday, the infamous. Uh, Jan right. Dinalware, I always pronounce that wrong. I'm sorry. You know, getting lap traffic, getting in the way of Sven and Wout getting his first elite win uh, as as a result of that, and uh, you know, Sven flicking him off as he uh, <laughs> came over came over the line, and that was a that was a complete. That was just like a climb up the grass, slalom down the grass, kind of a boring setup. But interestingly, I think that was a more fan friendly setup so so they've they've kind of done they, they've kind of made it and simon bernie was talking about this on twitter less fan friendly like it's, i think it's a really hard race to 
go and watch live as a spectator and you can't, you know, you saw the Copenberg has no room for spectators. There's nobody on that. It's just, you know, media is even like falling into the, into the cobbles. You can see them kind of like grabbing onto the side. There's really nowhere to go, but the other side of that, it's, it looks amazing on TV and it's a great race to watch. So it's almost, it's almost the NFL of, of cyclocross in this instance where it really is built for TV over spectators, which I'm sure makes it difficult for the race organizers if they're, you know, depending on people showing up and buying frites and beer, which I'm sure they're still there. I think that's the thing, but they're just, I think the, 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 the comments I saw was like, yeah, you still go. You're just basically watching it on a big screen. But aren't, isn't part of, I mean, isn't part of the appeal, it's a, it's a holiday, then you go to the all-night rave party and... Sure, uh, you go see uh, DJ Benny. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it was like, it was a super techno track. And I mean, I think uh, I, I was trying to come up with the last time we've seen a race with a lap that was like, so there was the prologue. So I think the lap was more like a 12-minute lap. And the only one I could come up with was World Cup Waterloo in 2019. We had the infamous 15-minute laps. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, it was rough. I mean, that was definitely a, a race of attrition. And I think it was the, you know, you saw the riders who kind of could suck it up and do do well in those conditions and so what was uh clara was like yeah when she was michael when she was in that second group she was kind of like leading it in fifth place and then was able to move her way up and and get in there interesting also did you know the the thing that i like to watch is that she made up i think two spots by not taking a bike i think that's correct pretty late in the race she was, I think it was Brand. I think she passed Brand and one other rider by not pitting, which was hmm. was an interesting move, but seemed to pay off. That probably would have been lap. So it was only a four-lap race. So they only yeah. did four laps, and she was right. at the front, I think, by lap three because it came down to like her and Betsima, and she, then she had yep. a gap on Betsima. But then Betsima, I mean, so I think that it was last- beginning, beginning of lap three, I think, is those okay. this may have happened. Yeah. Okay. But I could be wrong on that. Uh. Yeah, so I mean, I, I guess you know, I had uh, I, as I noted on Twitter, I picked the worst day to have a real job. Um, it really bit me in the the butt this time. But Michael, you were watching. Like, what was that last lap left? Because like going back, I mean, Claire was ahead, but like she was only like three seconds ahead, like literally the entire last lap. It was it was great because you didn't know if she actually had it, and Betsima, to her credit, not great at a lot of things, but good at all of them sort of like or great you know was able to stay within reach and it seemed they were saying and that Betsum was descending better than clara because like half the course is descent and then you had the big climb i kind of agree with that i thought that clara was really actually holding her own and had took some really nice some really good lines and was able to ride very cool under that pressure of of Betsima sort of just right there because like that thing it wasn't it was never it was never like a sealed deal until we got to the bottom of the climb on on the the last lap so it was it was really fun to watch 
here's my observation, Bill, about the being cool as a cucumber, as it were. We talked about with Mountain Bike Worlds when Evie looked back over her shoulder, like literally 17 times, despite being a minute and a half. I don't think Clara looked back. Like she's pulling onto the Kopenberg and she didn't even look back. Like she just <laughs> kept riding. And I think she kind of peaked at the end maybe, but I was just so impressed that like she literally didn't give a shit where Betsima was and just rode. I mean, maybe she has like special powers and like she snuck a peak, but there was no, you know, like with Evie, like she kept checking back. Even as she was posting up, she's checking back and Claire's just like, nope, I got this. So impressed yeah. by that. Well, I, I mean, you talk about being cool. There was you know, even, even before that, Clara and Betsima are battling it out and Clara crashes. You know, she goes down. Right. It goes down pretty hard, but is able to just collect herself and do exactly what you want to see. Like she didn't she didn't freak out. She didn't try to push it. She just rode herself back up back up to the wheel. And then and then the great thing to watch, like Betsima, yeah, she was able to I think she was pressing. I mean, she had to press. Clara was able once Clara was out front, she was able to ride her pace. And again, just kind of cool and smooth and riding her pace. And Betsima was pushing behind her to close the gap because she knew every time they went around one of those turns at the bottom and had to go back up, Clara wasn't getting off her bike for a lot of those. About half of those, Clara wasn't getting off her bike. And the ones when she had to get off her bike, she was doing it higher up on the climb and within, you know, keeping her momentum and Betsima had to dismount every time. And that's just another match burning and another second that she had to then make up again. So there was a lot of like Betsima sort of pressing to get on the wheel, having to dismount, having to press really hard to get back. And I think when it really got to be the nail biter, Michael, you're absolutely right. That last lap was so, I mean, it's been a long time and granted, you know, we can say we're not homers, but we are and wanted Clara to win and you know we all know her and ever and it was it was awesome to watch but the, I haven't I haven't been like on the edge of my seat for a final lap like that in a really long time and you had everything you had like she just a millimeter off the line and you're like oh, get, get back on and you can see Betsima closing the gap they had some lap traffic in there where oh. Clara I, I would Oof. say within a quarter of a lap to go or less the the good line was taken. There was somebody camped out in the good line. She had to divert her line around that, and Betsima just went from like eight seconds to two seconds. I mean, just closed it right up just from that. And you know, but I think I think that you know to go what what you were saying, Zach. I think she knew. She knew just from every lap before that. Once she hit those cobbles, she didn't have to look back because there was no effing way anybody was staying with her. Yeah, I mean, but it was still, it was like pretty close. Like, like Yo, but she, yeah. she hit the cobbles. There was that weird because it was a run up. You ran up yep. to the cobbles. Uh, but you're right. Like, I felt like, uh, you know, Corey Kuzin, Kugin Sizek's uh, team just got mad TV time with all of yes. the, the orange kits. <laughs> like, I swear there were at least three of them and they weren't getting out of the way. They were just like, I'm going to still race my race. And I, I, there was one where Clara, I think, actually slotted in ahead of the other one. And I, I was like, man, Betsima just must be yelling every kind of curse word to get out of it because the rider didn't move. I was like, you, yeah. what? What are you doing? Get See, out that's, of the way. That's, that's 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 you know that could have been the shake and bake right there. Like uh, right. Clara should have should have passed you know Rebecca Gross or whoever it may have been and said, "Hey, uh, you might want to just slot over to your left a little bit and uh, hang out there for a second or two for me." She's like, "Do you want to do a little pick and roll right here?" <laughs> 
How do you but, say sport leader coming through in Dutch? <laughs> thankfully, thankfully she didn't, she didn't need that. But what do you, I, I was thinking about this a lot. Cause there was a lot of criticism about the lap riders who are out on track. And I think for the most part, you know, it was, it was tough to get to move for them, but it's like, what do you do with them? I mean, are you, do you have to have that much? Cause they were getting 80%, but they were getting 80% at the bottom of the Kopenberg. So none of them rode up the climb, but they had to fight through them to get there. But if you have 15 minute laps and you're only doing four laps, when do you pull them? Do you pull them after the second lap? I mean, that's kind of, yeah, you sort of have to have the foresight to know that to do the math to say, okay, this is when we need to take them or there's no, really no other opportunity to do that. Right. So what do you, if you're, if you're an official, what do you do? Oof. Oh, because I know I there's a lot say, of criticism. The official screwed it up, and there was too much lap traffic, and it ruined the race. But I'm like, what do you do? How do you? What is the solution to that? But isn't it on the lapped riders? I mean, get out of the way. Like I've yeah. been no, in elite races where I've gotten lapped yeah. before, and I I move all the way over. I'm like, have a great race, guys. Like yeah. I don't belong here. What am I doing? But I thought it was like pretty arrogant of these riders to just not get. And you see it all the time. You see. I don't know why they weren't getting out of the way. You're not racing for any kind of place that matters there. Yeah, kid. it's kind of like get out of the way. I, I like, guess it's I guess it's they're continuing to ride and trying to get to the side where they should just get off their bike and take their bike to the to the top to, to yeah. get all the way. Yeah, so maybe maybe that we do need to maybe the officials need to yeah. to do this process and be like, We have an issue with these back markers and we need to sorry, you guys blew do it for you, yourselves. Michael, do you think that Clara should put a bell on her bike? <laughs> are you allowed to do that with the uci officials would we have bellgate would, would we have could we have like spur cycle bellgate i mean would they be like this i mean isn't clara, loud? clara seems so nice that i because i can't imagine her actually yelling like get out of the way i mean maybe a bell would be great it'd be nice like hey pardon me i'll bet me, i'll bet i'll bet i'll bet words were spoken because there, there was definitely <laughs> eventually some some recognition there from them and i don't think it was just because they yeah. felt wheels behind them but uh in the end thankfully it didn't it didn't determine you know the outcome of the race and uh yeah hansinger winning at betsmith second vosh still right there third place and uh you know yara castellin she can climb yeah still yara, can do it best of the rest yara, and you know alvarado sixth place you know, kind of a nice turnaround from over Isa. So seems like on her social media, she was stoked on that. Maybe we'll see her um, back in the front soon. Guys, I just want to, I guess, because uh, we were talking about it um, with, with over Isa and I, I have my eyes and I didn't think it was going to happen this year. I thought for sure it wasn't going to happen this year. Uh, the curse of the U23 women's world championship jersey. Um, we saw with uh, Inga Van Heiden, not really the same after she won it. Uh, hasn't done much. Uh, Riberol, biggest thing that she's achieved is turning Belgian. Uh, Femme Van Empel, uh, still only eighth place on a course that seemed to kind of suit her pretty well. I mean, a climbing course. And I, I don't necessarily know. There's just an observation that there's other U23s who are shining uh, above her this year. I think that Puck has has made a leap. I mean, Vosh is was there last year. I mean, I, I think she's a continuation. Um, you know, I, we'll see with, you know, Van Enroy is another interesting one. Cause you know, Van Enroy punked 
which was supposed to be the coronation for Puck at 2020 Junior Worlds, she was like, hi, I'm better than you. And she's kind of, you know, she had the injury, but she's not there. So I just have my eye on it. It's It's been a thing, the, the curse what, of the jersey. Where, where so. do you, so is winning the U23 Cyclocross World Championship and then winning an elite mountain bike world championship, where do you, where do you slot that one in? Oh, I mean, I'm just saying it's recent. Like, it doesn't apply to Evie Richards. Don't worry. Uh, and it hasn't. No, it's only like it's Evie's a new thing. Beyond all like, that, yeah. Her and worse she's, got it out of the she's, way. She's old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. I'm just saying it's been. A, I know. Th- I've like one. Time. What is it? One is a. I'm gonna botch this one too. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, no, it's two is a pair and three is a crowd or something. But like, you know, two, one is okay. It's, you know, two is like, well, this might be something here that we can talk about. And, you know, in a way it'd be like, if she did have a really bad year, it'd be great. Cause then there would definitely be the curse of the 23 women's Jersey. But, uh, I'm just, uh, just a thing that I, I'm Perfect. just a thing that I have my, yeah. my, like my it. eyes on my narrative eyes on. I like it. Should we move over to the men and talk about the most important, uh, story that i can follow up from last week michael Uh, then yes yes the answer is yes of course yes i forgot but tom mason is the new lauren sweck (laughs) look at my man coming back from from nowhere to sixth place at copenberg you you all can talk about the, the the podium that's fine i i go go for it knock yourself out i just want to talk about tom mason getting sixth place in this race well, I, if you want to go far, it like uh, Rebecca tweeted about that, and Tom Mason jumped in <laughs> to the replies to say, "Yeah, I don't remember the last time I was up at the front of a race either." Yeah, <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> I'm telling you, he's he is the he is the proto swag. You know, he's like, I'm just gonna pick my pick my spots and just uh, you know pull off a pull off a result when I feel like it. Interestingly enough, Lawrence DNF'd. Hmm. Yeah, well, there can only be one. Right, yeah. I, you know, I didn't watch this race, guys. Sorry, because it was Monday. I had to go to work. And then, uh, but I, I'm still stuck on Bill's observation of Andy Rutz. 23rd spot. It's a good name, Andy Rutz. He, he was meant meant for uh, meant for cyclocross. I, I don't know. We spent a lot of time on the women's race on this. We talked a lot about the men's race at Overice. Is there really, I mean... Ailey Ezer beat one. He beat Tony Arts. Lars Vanderhaar was third. I guess that was that was the help you were looking for, Zach. But he was still a minute eighteen back, so it wasn't really doing much for Tone. <laughs> yeah, there's not there's not much to to, the to arm, say about this one. The arm barn is empty at the Lions <laughs> Den. The two the two Dutch guys, you know. Vanderhaar and Van Kessel were, I mean, Courtney Van Kessel result for yeah. him. So, I mean, you're kind of talking about, it's interesting, Zach, you're talking about, you know, is this like the, this, is this even more a specialist race than like Coke Sida, where it's the, the sand specialist is, is the climbing specialist. It really seems like it's, there are just certain riders. We see it with Yara, you know, there are just certain riders that just shine at this race. And it, I think it really just has to be that that climb is so long that you can just make up for any mistakes you make on the descent if you can do it well yeah that's a i feel like i talked about this last year that uh it's become uh, who are we kidding it's for the men it's it, it for the 
for the men, it's not, I think we were talking last year for the women. We're seeing when we saw worst win, we're like, oh, it's a rider who can win other races. But in the past for the women, it's it's been a specialist race. You had, you know, Kim Vandesteen uh, during her like uh, October and November to remember, uh, you yeah. know, the, the, the woman who it's named after Yolene, uh, Verschuren, you know, she won twice. She finished third. Helen Wyman's won there three times. Our friend Yara won there. So yeah, I mean, I think for the women, but I mean, if you go through, through the men's list, recent winners are Ailey Ezerbeet, Tone Arts, Matthew Vanderpool, Walt Van Aert, Tom Mason, OMG, <laughs> He won in 2013, and then yep. Sven and Kevin Powell's. So I it's mean, I it's don't know if it's strong. necessarily a specialist race. I, if it yeah. was a specialist race for the men, I would expect like a. But Van Turnout's not even good. Who are the climbing specialists? Like, it's just a different game for. We don't have that as much, and I think that was what we were talking about with the professionalization of the women's field last year. Is that you're seeing fewer like quote unquote. There's no more the mountain bikester course. It's like, oh, yeah, right. Lucinda Brand's going to kick your ass at Namur. Um, uh, but maybe, you know, hopefully Clara's not as bad. I guess this is all to say that hopefully Clara fits into that narrative and that we're seeing her being a consistent wide-angle podium slash podium slash winning European races contender. So, yeah. All right. I think we overdid it. Let's uh, yes. Let's end it there. I do want to... Um, uh, Shout out uh, the uh, some of the other uh, we had. You know, we talked about Caleb Swartz at Indy. Also, Jules Van Kempen, great ride for him. Third place, first elite podium, definitely worth mentioning at Indy. And just to go with that, as much as we may have downplayed the race, that's that's what's great about races like that. It's just an opportunity for a young rider to to have a podium performance and to be able to sort of feel what that's like and hopefully have it as a springboard going forward so where are we going this weekend i think we're going to to noho 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 and a bottle of rum and you know where i'm going i'm going nowhere and i'm kind of excited about this my first week at home yeah i i I mean you've been on a run a corollary to that i just pulled up bike reg and the minnesota race comes up as one mile away from my house and i looked it up and i can ride there so i might race but i'm just gonna ride my bike to the race because it's literally like just across like just across the highway it's so great um but the euros european championships the kom berg or the trash heap like garbage dump cross we're gonna come up with the name I'm curious to see how this looks like. I'm kind of excited about what this course is going to look like. It's on an old trash heap. Turned Mount Trashmore. European Mount Trashmore. <gasps> Trash it's not, Trash but not to confuse with the slag heap. No, no, that's right. a little different. different. Very industrial in, in that regard. So we'll uh, we'll have to get some more. Information. Well, this is the same. This is the same place that Vanderpool, you know, went into Turbo Boost and won Road Nationals. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. This is the first cross race there. So no. uh, yeah. I'm I'm excited too, Zach. I'm staying More cobbles. watching cross. Looking forward to it. And you're working on your J. Michael, you gotta work on your J. We're broken down. We'll get the boards, but you gotta you gotta start working on your handles okay. for that three yeah. and three tournament. Yeah, yep. yeah. I can't dribble. So I'll I'll do the, I'll shoot the jumper. You catch me on the wings. Um and I'll I'll shoot the sweet jumper. I gotta pump my basketball up first. All right. Uh, Zach, put that uh, Karoo 2 on your uh, bike when you ride over to, uh, to that race and uh, and check it out. See how that Good goes. Good call. Every, everybody else use uh, CX Radio at hammerhead.io. And uh, yeah, that's it. We'll see you next time. And uh, hang in there, kid.
Armbarn! Dear cycling friends, we accept the fact that we have created the premier gravel and road racing podcast. And we don't think you're crazy to ask us who we think we are. You see us as you want to see us, in the simplest terms, in the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a hobby blogger, a gravel pro, and a curious newbie. And you can find us on the Wide Angle Podium Network. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours the Grodio Podcast.